to this episode of Fat Girl Book Club. For this episode, we read the book Fat Sex by Rebecca Jane Weinstein. Well, guys, we made it to episode 80. (laughs) Uh, For those of you who've listened to the last couple episodes, you will know that this is the last episode before I go off on a bit of a break. Uh, So I'm, I'm looking forward to some time to be able to, I don't know, just, just, become a grown-up, I guess, in a way. Uh, I need to start figuring out some things about my situation, and so I'm taking this break in order to be able to do that. Hopefully, uh, if you haven't listened to all the episode episodes, there is 80 of them all together, so there's a little bit you can listen back to, and if that doesn't uh, appeal to you, I did do an episode, a bonus episode, last week or the week before, just mentioning some of my favorite podcasts and hopefully giving you some ideas about some things that you can listen to while I'm on break. I do hope to come back. I hope to come back in the new year, a little bit of a different format, probably a little bit of a different name. But if you are subscribed to this podcast, then it should get to you. It should be pushed out to you. Uh, So make sure that you're still subscribed. I would appreciate that greatly. Uh, Also make sure we connect on Instagram because I am hoping to do a weekly Instagram live and just, I mean, they'll be, they'll be short, but there'll be little updates on the things that I'm reading and asking you guys what you're reading and just kind of to stay in touch and stay in contact so you know what is kind of going on. So make sure you connect with me there. Okay, uh, before I go on, I want to thank my Patreon supporters. So thank you so much to Pascal, to Haz, to Larissa, and to Jen. You guys are the best. All right, so before I jump into a little bit I want to tell you about this episode, I will let you know that there are some triggers for this episode. So as you can tell, we are talking about sex. So we are going to be getting into uh, sexual trauma Uh, some kind of graphic descriptions of some sexual acts and discussions just in general around sex. So if that doesn't doesn't sound like the kind of thing you want to be listening to right now, if that sounds like that could be triggering, please do your self-care and not listen to this episode. We also do very minimally discuss uh, weight gain, uh, some event dieting, and a little bit around some exercise tips. So if you're not into any of those kinds of topics, they're very lightly touched on, but if that could be triggering, please again, do yourself care and don't listen to this episode. Okay. So my guest is a sexual educator and I was really, really grateful to have her on the show because, and I told her this off the air, like when we didn't have the mic on, but I told her that I was a prude. And she was telling me how much she doesn't like that word because it, you know, it kind of, there's so many connotations with that, that are like, oh, well, I'm a bad person because I don't like to talk about sex or, you know, like there's something shameful or bad about having discussions around sex. And so I, (laughs) I don't want to say I am a prude, but I do want to say that I get very uncomfortable discussing sex. So having Lala come on was so empowering for me to be able to ask these questions, which I had set out beforehand and get responses back that were well thought out, uh, that were using language that would have, if I had said it would have made me embarrassed, but because she was coming out with it, like we were talking about anything else, you know, like completely taken the shame away from it. It made all the difference to me to be able to open up and talk a little bit about this topic. So honestly, guys, this is, this is such an informative episode. Like grab a piece of paper and a pen. If this is something that, you know, like if, if talking about or being sexually open or sexually confident is something that is troubling to you. There are some great tips in here, even if you're not actually with a partner. I mean, if you're with a partner, there's some great tips, but there's some great tips if you're not. And uh, I know I was taking some notes as we were going through. So she has some tips around body image. She has some tips around sex. She has some tips around communication. And she even has some tips around uh, some adjustments that can be made 
if you are uh, living with a chronic illness and or have any type of disability. So the book that we talked about was called Fat Sex and we didn't, we used that as kind of a springboard to, to discuss a lot of different things. But the book itself was set up structurally so that each chapter was a different person's story. And so we talk about Delilah's story, which I think is pretty self-evident from what we were discussing. But Delilah is a woman who ends up becoming involved with the porn industry. She is a in a larger body, in a plus-size body, and ends up becoming a porn star. Uh, and so there was kind of a whole lot of discussion about how that happens for her. But I think that that one is pretty self-evident within the conversation. But we also talk about Scott. So Scott is a guy who is in a thinner body and he likes women who are in larger bodies because he likes big boobs. And most of the time, women with big boobs are in larger bodies. So he uh, talks a lot about guy culture and how guys perceive kind of dating and women. And so we get into this a little bit in the conversation, but I wanted you to have a bit of a context around that. Uh, The last thing I'm going to say here is that I talk a little bit with Lala at the beginning about some of the things that she is up to, but I didn't actually ask for her links at the end. So I want to make sure that you know that the links for contact with Lala, so her Instagram account and her uh, website and her podcast are all listed down below. So make sure that you scroll down and click Uh, once this episode is over. Okay, so let me start by telling you a little bit about the book. So I'm going to be reading the description from Amazon. So the book is called Fat Sex, The Naked Truth. If there are two subjects that are universally fascinating and rife with controversy, they are sex and fat. Though our culture is obsessed with both, the two commingling are sometimes seen as offensive, obscene, and even grotesque. Fat people are not viewed as sexual beings. Of course, this perception is far from accurate. Fat people have normal and peculiar sex lives, just like everyone else. A compilation of true stories, cultural references, and narrative commentary, Fat Sex, The Naked Truth, tells the honest and often heroic, heartbreaking, and hilarious experiences of large-sized women and men in their romantic, intimate, and sexual relationships. Subjects touched on include heterosexual relationships, gay men and lesbian women, those who have gained and lost a great deal of weight, and the sexual underground, such as fetishes. Although the people portrayed in Fat Sex, The Naked Truth, sometimes face bigotry and experience shame, they are often valent and live remarkably fulfilling lives. The stories are compelling and told with sensitivity and wit, connecting people on profoundly important aspects of their lives. This book is not just for large-sized people. The stories and issues discussed touch all of us and every person who has ever experienced the trials and tribulations as well as the ecstasies of intimate relationships. Okay, so let me tell you about my guest. I'm really excited to tell you about Lala. So this is Lala's bio. Lala is a sexuality and sexual health advocate, audio erotic podcast host, and contemporary romance author. She started Lala's Bedtime Tales as a way to find community and provide education while on her personal sexual healing journey. She creates a safe space and judgment-free zone that gives women a place and sense of community to comfortably embrace their sexual pleasure while enabling education on the power and ownership of their sexuality and providing women with vital sexual and reproductive health education. Lala's Bedtime Tales is a sexual wellness digital platform that inspires you to take control and ownership of your sexy by mixing education with entertainment. Lala's Bedtime Tales offers erotica and romance literature, sexual health and wellness education from licensed medical professionals, and healthy relationship, romance, and sex advice from sexuality experts. Lala's mission is to destigmatize women's sexuality as a dirty thing and encourage and educate women on ways to enjoy their sexual pleasure and feel confident and sexy in their sexuality. I hope you enjoy this discussion with Lala about Fat Sex by Rebecca Jane Weinstein. Hi, Lala. Welcome to Fat Girl Book Club. Hi. I'm really excited you're here. I'm really glad we're going to talk about this book called Fat Sex by Rebecca Weinstein. 
and I'm excited to get into it. Uh, but before we kind of jump into the book, did you want to talk a little bit about, you can, you can do a bit of an introduction and a little bit about your own body journey, how, you know, how you've gone from whatever was going on before to now being very out and open on Instagram about everything going on with the sex. <laughs> yes. So I decided to start Lala's Bedtime Tales because I decided to go on a sexual healing journey because I had experienced some sexual trauma and also reproductive health issues. And there just wasn't a safe zone or a, a safe space or just a community around to talk about different things that happen with women. And then I also thought about how there's a lot of stigma around female sexuality as being dirty. So I wanted to provide women with accurate and comprehensive sexual health education as well as reproductive health and give them the tools they needed to feel sexy because I felt like that was a space that was missing for a lot of women and so my body positive journey is still going on because like you know journey it's continual for me it started more so so my dad's family have always been like big people and my mom's family were really small and my mom dealt with hyperthyroidism so she didn't understand me and my sister's struggle of not being straight sizes sometimes right. and so I just remember every now and then she would say different stuff to me and my sister like you know well you want to be more than just a pretty face and you want to have a body to go with it and stuff like that and it's just because of her you know her generation and stuff like that whereas my dad was like you know his family were all big people so he was just yeah. kind of like you know leave them alone like you know <laughs> it's genetics like you know but then I got into like school and stuff and I remember just not being able to fit the same sizes as some of my friends and not being able to dress like them. So I worked really hard and still people talked whether I was too curvaceous, like my boobs were too big. It was always something with my body and it was either objectified by male classmates or I was ridiculed by female classmates. So it was extremely hard for me. Like I found myself hiding a lot of times or trying to like make myself look smaller, like physically, not even just physically, like mentally. And so then I got to a point when I was in my early 20s and I had met this guy and he was super cool, super amazing. And I was more of a, I've never been like a single size, like the smallest I've been has been like a 10, 12. And I met him at that size. So that really worked hard for my 21st birthday. Um, my size, I was like, ooh, going to Vegas got to be like hot, quote unquote. <laughs> and so um, he met me and he was really smitten by me. We dated and stuff. And he moved away for work and he came back and I had put on like 50 to 100 pounds. And I was like, hey, I get you want to meet up, but I don't look the same as I looked when we first met. And he was just like, I don't care. He was like, I like you. And he was like, you're attractive. So that made me think in my head that I needed to focus more on, regardless of what my mom said, what society said, or what anyone said, I needed to look in the mirror and know that I felt attractive. Mm -hmm. And it didn't matter what anyone else said. If I didn't look attractive that day, because I didn't feel it, then I wasn't. If I thought I looked attractive and no one told me, I was damn attractive that day. And so that was the mindset that I've been going with. And everyone's weight fluctuates and stuff. So you should love yourself in every size and pleasure is a birthright. And no matter your size, you are deserving of love. You are deserving of respect and you are deserving of sexual pleasure. Oh, I love that. I love that so much, so much. Well, okay. So take me on like when, I guess when you kind of began to realize that women and sex there was, see, I'm struggling even now. I was telling you when I turned the, when the microphones weren't even on, I was saying like, I am sexually inhibited or something. I don't know. I struggle communicating about this. So did, were you ever at that point or was that never really like you were kind of okay with communicating around it and, and being able to I don't know. I don't even know what the right word is. Sexually yes. liberated. Yeah. So for me, uh, so with my body positivity journey, it did stem with some of the stuff that happened with sexual trauma. So I just didn't like my body at all because I felt like for whatever reason, it might've been because I was big or because I had, you know, too many curves at a young age that I was a victim of sexual trauma. So what made me realize there was an issue was I was, unfortunately, the guy I was with in high school was not a nice person. And, but there was this one time he did stand up 
for me in front of people. And they're talking about how, well, he, because I caught the eye of the guy that a lot of people thought was conventionally attractive and a lot of girls wanted to be with in high school. And so that caused a lot of ridicule for me. And he remember, I remember one day he was like, well, they're like, she shows so much cleavage and she's big and all this stuff. And he was like, well, I think she's sexy. And I remember being 16. And when he said that, it was like, everyone stopped. Like instantly for a few days, no one had anything negative to say about my body. And I realized when I try to own my sexy by dressing how I wanted in my body, I became a slut showing too much of my body. But when he said it was sexy as a male, it became fine. And that was the first time it clicked with me, like, okay. And then I, in college, my minor was in women and gender studies. And we did a lot about sociology of the body and relationships and stuff. And when we talked about sex, everything about it stemmed for girls in my class talking about, well, it's what he wants. It's how he thinks. Everything was he, 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 he. And I was just like, okay, that's that's not okay. Like, because I came from a sex positive parent and my mother, she was a social work background and she's always told me and my sister, our body is the only thing that we own for ourselves that no one should be able to take away, tell us how to treat it or anything. Like our body was ours. So you hear girls constantly talking about how they couldn't do stuff unless it was something to do with a male. It couldn't feel a certain way unless it was something to do with a male. I was like, women don't value themselves outside of the male narrative. And that's when I was like, that's an issue. And then more into my 20s, up until, you know, turning 30, I realized so many of my friends were like, he, 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 male. Like the male narrative is so much. And, you know, that's because we're in a patriarchal society in America. So I was just kind of like, something needs to change. Like someone needs to get out there and let women know it is okay to seek pleasure and do it for themselves. So, ah. Awesome. Awesome. So good. My head is going to 10 different places at once. Uh, But I want to talk to you about both your Instagram account and about your podcast. Normally I wait till the end, but it doesn't really matter. Who cares? Uh, (laughs) Because like going through your Instagram account is like, I mean, it's so educational. You're, you're bringing to talk about things that like this book, like this book brought up a lot of things that, that we maybe don't even hear about in mainstream Mm. kind of discussions. So your Instagram account does that. And then your podcast is all around, you know, creating these stories, these beautiful, wonderful, very sexual stories. So how did in your head, how did those components come together and how did they manifest for you? So I wanted to do what people have coined as edutainment. So I wanted to bring the entertainment with education. And with audio eroticism, there's a lot of mental health and sexual health benefits. Like even for me, what normalized sex and what helped me be able to talk about sex more and understand that female pleasure mattered and is a birthright was for me reading erotica novels or erotic romance novels Mm -hmm. because they put female pleasure in the forefront Mm -hmm. and then dealing with some of my sexual health issues like I had sexual dysfunction after having endometriosis needing the surgery and I had to do a dilation process and in order for me to relax and be able to do that process Mm -hmm. I uh, stumbled across Dipsy which is an audio erotica app that you have to pay for that mixes sexual health and mental health and when I would listen to those stories it would relax me and it would help me get in a mood so I would be more comfortable with that process and so I wanted to bring that more so to mainstream for people and offer it for free to allow people to have the mental health benefits and the sexual health benefits of listening to sexy stories that help them get in the mood and stimulate them sexually and also just to relax their mind And, and it was such like erotica changed my life as far as how I felt about sex and it's calmed me down because it it releases those feel-good hormones like dopamine and oxytocin and so I just wanted to find a way and a solution to bring that out to everyone and I thought a podcast was a good way to do it yeah it's beautiful it it really is um this book is filled with stories uh, different people's their journeys was there any that you felt like you really related to or any that um maybe stuck with you So I actually related to everyone's story differently. 
So I will say two main components really stuck out to me as a correlation between each when you think of like, kind of like a theme that I saw throughout the book, but a lot of the people's stories is people date according to self-esteem. And regardless of what you say to a child, like sticks and stones, words hurt and people can be cruel. And even if you try to tell yourself something doesn't affect you, constantly being ridiculed and hearing it, it takes a hit on your self-esteem and it takes a hit on your self-confidence. And then also I realized too, that there's a lack of understanding and there's a, people don't know how to engage in mindful sex as well. Like you hear a lot about how oh, they were like, well, they wanted a connection or they want a romantic relationship. So they went off and just slept with people because that's what they thought they could only <laughs> Yeah, get. there's a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, <laughs> that's the importance of teaching like, pleasure culture and sexual education versus purity culture because in pleasure culture you touch on mindful sex and so with mindful sex you should always think about do I really want to do this is there any type of sexual coercion involved you you talk about your self-esteem and how that impacts your sexual confidence and sexual motivation and then you have an understanding of do I want to be intimate or do I truly do I want an emotional intimacy connection or do I want a sexual intimacy connection? Uh, connection, sorry. And am I doing this for myself because I actually want to do it? And you have to ask yourself those questions in your mind before you have sex every time. And it wasn't a lot of that going on. And <laughs> I felt like that was something important that needed to be addressed for a lot of people. And right. Scott's story actually made me think a lot. Because mm -hmm. I never really thought about the male perspective of sex and how big a proponent size actually played for men. I don't know why that was, but I actually was asking like men in my life, I'm like, is this how you think? Is this how you feel? Like what rate, like the size? And you know, of course, most men will say, well, it doesn't matter about size. I mean, when it just have sex, like if you have a warm yeah. hole, I mean, for lack of a better yeah. word, yeah. they just have sex. So then it comes back in the play of people that according to their self-esteem. So these women were having self-esteem issues. So they weren't having sex mindfully. And that was having an impact on their emotional health and how they felt about themselves and their self-worth. Yes. Yeah. And I think the book did a good job of pulling out the, the context yes. of people's lives, like saying, okay, so now we're going to meet this other fat woman, yes. but this is what has happened in this woman's life. Um, some of this will relate, like some of this has impacted and affected her body. Some of it has not, uh, but it's hard to pull those apart. And that was kind of, you know, I, I, I liked that a lot. The fact that I could really get into someone's life like that, but you were right. There was, I felt as I was reading it that I, I was like, I was extremely inexperienced in comparison. <laughs> There's lots of sex going on. <laughs> yeah, there was the one story that really got me that kind of uh was the story about the adult film star. Her story oh, yeah. really like when it, she had the scene where she talked about how on a college campus she wanted more sex, so she allowed a gangbang to happen. Yeah. And she walked away from it feeling just disgusted with herself because it was so faceless and all that. And that broke my heart. It hurt me to my soul. Like, because you're young at that age, you don't really understand sex, you don't really understand your body. And those men took advantage of that situation. And that was horrible. And so I like to, I like seeing how her, I like how she made the connection to Delilah and I liked how seeing her experience and how she grew in her body confidence and herself and how she didn't let stuff take her ownership of her sexuality from her, even though, even though those experiences weren't always what she wanted. There's a lot of sexual coercion and a lot of non-consensual stuff, honestly. And I, but I loved how she still kept strong in her sexuality and didn't let that be the real. Yes. 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 And I, I felt like as, she, as the, the story progressed and she got older, she had a, a very good understanding about what was happening yes. with all of her sexual experiences, but also how those sexual experiences were kind of affecting the rest of her life. Like she goes to the, the like, quote unquote, um, regular films yeah and the casting director asked her to give him a blowjob oh my god which she does me. yeah, yeah. 
I mean, hey, could be, could have been. Uh, and she does it, but she like, it, it's like a full awareness thing. Like she knew she was doing it. She knew he was being sleazy. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she just had a full recognition of what was actually happening in that situation. And in a sense, it, it was more empowering that she knew what was going on than the other experience you were talking about where she, it was, it felt very like, yeah, you were just kind of like, Ooh, Oh, Oh, you just, you you don't feel like you have any experiences to even recognize that this is you being taken advantage of yes exactly so yeah so even in that experience with the sleazy guy she still had an empowerment of it because she actively made the choice to do it versus her feeling coercion and all those other experiences so yes 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 yeah no it was it was interesting to watch these women in here and i know that they did she the author mentioned and it was a theme that kept coming back over and over was confidence, this whole idea of confidence and yeah. self-esteem being a way to attract a partner. What, what did you think about that? Do you think that there's validity to that assessment? Yes, 100%. How you show up for yourself is how people are going to treat you. And I'm a huge proponent of you teach people how to treat you. So if you have the confidence, if you know that you're a certified dime piece or, you know, the whole mill, then other people are going to treat you that way. It's also whether you're a size two or 22, you should have a list of deal breakers and you should remove them for anything because men don't change their deal breakers. Like if they have this set ideal of who they want in their head, they won't settle for less. And oftentimes women do that. And then also adding on the layer of not being seen as conventionally attractive, I feel like that also made them feel like they had to accept less than what they deserve. And that's not the case. So everyone needs to have that Lizzo energy and have that confidence in themselves and they'll attract the partner they want. So I definitely agree with that. Right. And do you think, so another thing that kind of came, well, kind of did and, and also she contradicted a little bit. There was lots of nuance there, but the reaction of men to women who were in larger bodies, on the one hand, you had some of these guys who considered themselves fat admirers yeah. and put that kind of label on themselves. Yeah. And if they would tell their guy friends, their guy friends would like give them a really hard time about it. And I think it was Scott talking yes. about this whole guy culture and, and, yes. you know, you have to date a woman that's this certain number or yes. whatever. I mean, what do you think? Do you think, and I mean, like, I, I don't, I have no, um, reference for this and there's a whole long story there for me to be able to talk about that. But do you think guys don't like women who are in larger bodies? Like I'm just, I just don't know. I think there are men who do like women who are in larger bodies. I think so. Basically Scott, you regret touched on a historic, like, and there's this little blurb that I have written down and he said, this has, so basically this has very little to do with the women and it's more about the position and everyone wants to be the quarterback. They're willing to be defensive tackle to get there. And sometimes offense is the best defense. The behavior is biological. The trophy size is cultural. So men don't want to admit they like like fat women because of societal narratives about beauty and based mm. on and that's based on patriarchal standards and a fat woman isn't quote-unquote conventionally seen as attractive so it makes them feel conflicted about their feelings mm. and then also with hetero cisgender men they see hetero cisgender women as a status symbol of being the best yeah. the cool guy on top of the world so culturally if they want to be viewed as the hot shot in society and amongst their social circles they need to choose a woman that is conventionally attractive which when it comes to size is a woman who wears a straight size clothing it's not the plus size or the bigger women typically so yeah i feel like we're just commodities yeah i know (laughs) in a patriarchal society that's exactly how we see women it's gross it's gross it is it's so disgusting (laughs) i hate it uh so what like do you have any tips for women who are feeling like she had a stat in there which she even said herself was skewed because it came from jenny craig but saying that 60% of women prefer to have sex in the dark because of poor body image and 73% were embarrassed to be seen or touched due to their weight. What do you think women can do if, if they relate to that statistic? Like I relate to that statistic. Yes. So 
my favorite thing is take yourself on a date. So treat yourself like you were dating someone else. So take or cook yourself a nice dinner, bring yourself a nice bath, play sexy music. For me, it's reading or listening to erotica. You can even like watch or just listen to pornography and then touch yourself. And when you masturbate, it actually builds more body confidence and makes you more aware of your body and it grows your self-love for your body because you're loving on yourself. Mm. And another thing I like to do is do something that makes you feel sexy. So for me, it's taking a relaxing bath then doing my hair and makeup and taking pictures in sexy lingerie or nude. And for my big girls out there, you can get sexy lingerie. It can be at Torrid, Shein, Amazon, Frederick of Hollywood, and Love Honey. They all have cute sexy lingerie for bigger girls. And so that's where I get mine and I love it. And then also this one, which I know it's hard, but take care of yourself with exercise and mindfully eating. So, and I don't mean like, go do a car, don't go do a crash diet. Don't go kill yourself (laughs) in the gym. Just walk 20 or 30 minutes a day, like three times a week and then mindfully eat because it gives yourself a higher energy level and improves your mental health. And then if you feel physically and mentally well, it'll flow over into your sexual health as well. And so then also too, get in the mirror and talk to your body parts you don't like and affirm to them why they're amazing and show them gratitude. Like those are like my top tips. Like you're, I love that. Yeah, you're damn sexy. So act like it. I love it. I love it. I love the date thing. I think I, I'm going to have to do that. Yes. I'm going to have to take myself out on a date. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So my next question is about porn. I have watched maybe two porn films in my entire life. <laughs> so I know nothing about porn. What what is fat porn and how is it different than regular porn? And yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So think of pornography as being the broad or umbrella term. Then under that are categories based on different preferences. So there's really not a difference of fat porn versus pornography. It's just a subcategory. So fat okay. porn is no different than someone that watches bondage, gay porn, gang bangs, or bit big tits or big ass pornography fat porn just happens to star non-straight size individuals and then with porn too i think it's important more so for people to understand pornography is an entertainment tool to be sexually stimulating and not a tool for education it's not a real depiction of real life sex similar to that of what you would watch in any movie that may not be an adult industry and then also what's interesting too is that there's not necessarily a correlation between the genre of porn you watch and your sexuality or preference. It could be numerous reasons why you're interested in a certain genre of pornography. So you could get off on watching game bangs or girl on girl or fat porn, but have no want to experience those things in real life. For example, based on a Pornhub data analytics and insights in a study study done by the National Library of Medicine, 151% of women like lesbian porn more than men, even if they're hetero cisgender women. And that's because research has linked it to, it shows female pleasure in the forefront, which is more arousing for women. So someone that watches BBW genre porn could be for various reasons. They may just like watching a particular actress or actor, enjoy the look of more, you know, body or are attracted to a larger person in their real life. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they have like a sexual fetish for big women. Like it could be any reason why they enjoy watching BBW porn. Huh. Isn't it? I mean, the book there was kind of a every time that it would be mentioned where someone would be like, Oh, I'm not too sure about dating someone who's fat. The author would make reference to whether or not they watched fat porn. Yeah. So it's interesting that that is, that's actually not something that's yeah, true. It's not, it, it could be just <laughs> any reason, like anything. Cause like, even for me, I'm a heterosexual cisgender woman, but I've gotten aroused from watching mellow male porn. Mm-hmm. and like I mean that's nothing yeah. I would ever experience in my life but yeah. I found it sexually arousing so there's really no correlation as to right. the genre that you're watching it has anything to do with your actual sexuality or sexual right. attraction or anything so that was kind of a misnomer too and then yeah. also her fetish thing too was something that kind of grinded my gears a little bit yes so yes. 
Uh, she doesn't do a really good job explaining fetishes as it's discussed in like the sexual wellness community. So okay. there's three differentiators I kind of want to talk about. It's sexual attraction, kink, and a fetish. So sexual attraction is something about an individual sparks an attraction that makes people desire sexual contact or show sexual interest or gratification to another person. Then a kink is something a person likes to do during sexual encounters to heighten their sexual experience during uh, sex. And then a fetish is similar to a kink. However, it's something that an individual must have to meet sexual arousal, enjoyment, or orgasm. So therefore, loving sex with fat people is only a fetish if those people need it to become aroused, enjoy sex, or orgasm. If they just love having sex with fat people, then to me, they have a sexual attraction to them for whatever personal reason that may be. But in the book, it talks about like liking huge tits or them having a big ass or being able to grab on more of a big person. That could be more of a sexual attraction. But then it could also be a kink for someone as well of bringing a bigger person into the bedroom, highest their sexual experience. But I don't think a person loving to have sex with fat people means it's a fetish unless they say they can only get off with a big person. Right. So right. I feel like that wasn't something she really kind of, she kept bringing up fetish, nope. fetish. And I was like, not necessarily. They could just yeah. love or have an attraction. Like, yeah. It was, it was vague. I felt like the question was left open. Yes. Like I, I felt like she wasn't trying to answer it. So actually I, I have to say, I really appreciate your breaking it down like that because this gets brought up. Okay. So I've had two books. This is the second book about fat sex that's been on this show. Yes. And the other one, it was kind of similar in that it w- really wasn't very good. This is what it means. Uh, where it was definitive. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Sorry. My words are not coming out where it was definitive, where she said it is a fetish. It isn't a fetish. Yeah. Uh, it was just kind of briefly mentioned and then kind of moved on. Like, mm, this is something that maybe we're not sure we're not unclear. Da, 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 da. Moving along. So I, I actually really appreciate your perspective on that because I think that the way you've just broken that down is actually really helpful. Yes. Because I, I hate, cause Because even with like, right, so when we think about intersectionality, like for me, I'm like an African-American female. So there's also people talk about racial fetishes, too. And it's like Mm -hmm. not necessarily like people can be attracted to other people that aren't seen as conventionally attractive without it being a fetish of some sort. And I think oftentimes people want to explain away why someone isn't fitting into like the straight social normative narrative that people want people Mm. to fit into by being like oh it's a fetish but that person could just be attracted to bigger people you know so I mean without the context of them saying oh I can only have only can have sex with fat people because that's the only way I can orgasm we can't really say it's a fetish right cool very cool thank you for that I appreciate that that one's going to give me some food for thought as I move forward and I I appreciate it a lot because I think for some people and, and maybe a little bit for me thinking about my body as a fetish for someone else induces shame Yes, for me. Yes. And I, I don't like that feeling. I don't like the fact that somebody would only like me because I'm in a larger body. Yes. That would really bother me. Me too. Um, yeah. So, you know, thinking, okay, well it's, it's, it doesn't have to be a fetish. It doesn't have to produce shame. It can just be that they're attracted to my body because the look of my body, yes. like it's okay. And that's okay. Yes, it is. Okay. It is okay. It once again, whether you're a size two or 22, if they're attracted to you and they come on to you sexually, think more so not because of a fetish, but because yeah. there was something about you that they thought turned them on. Love it. Love it. Well, so what do you think about uh, the components of mind-blowing sex? Oh I think God. the book felt like it was confidence. Like I, I, I just felt like that was like an overriding theme was that if you have confidence, then your sex life is going to be amazing. But I'm sure that there's more components to <laughs> mind-blowing sex. So <laughs> confidence plays a huge role, but my, my three are understanding your body, confidence, and communication and not being fearful of demanding the pleasure you deserve and they and like that doesn't change just because a participant or participants are fat like 
what affects the ability to have mind-blowing sex with a person's lack of confidence and low self-esteem, right? So once again, whether you're a size 2 to 22, if you show up in the bedroom and you act shameful about yourself or you don't want to take off the clothes or you don't want to participate, then it's not going to be a mind-blowing or great experience. Like, your partner can only do so much. Like, you, you have to help them out, meet them halfway. And so I think, too... No, no, you just want to lie there. I know. Yeah, don't do that, right? Like, people like partners that participate. <laughs> and I feel like Scott's story... I think what he said that I didn't even think about until he said it was based on the patriarchal conventional beauty standard that then women can have the attitude of I'm so hot. So you're lucky to fuck me versus fat women must be good in bed because they aren't hot and adopt a reverse attitude of I'm not so hot. So I'm lucky if anyone wants to fuck me. And that's not true at all. And like I said, once again, men want to participate in bed that wants to have an uninhibited good time. And that comes with communication because sex is not one size fits all. Having confidence in the bedroom and knowledge of your own body. So communicate, communicate what you want in the bedroom. Understand your body through, you know, masturbation. So you can tell your partner, hey, touch me here, touch me this way. Like, and then just going in and being like, I'm damn sexy. And whether the lights are on or I want to dark to set the mood, you're going to have a good time with me. And I am too. Like, uh, yeah, I feel, I feel like I need to be writing notes. Like I, I actually was um like kind of writing some notes. Yeah. I feel like you're giving such good information. This is amazing. One of the things you said was to know your own body. And one of the things that came up in this book was about women's orgasms and how lots of women don't have them uh which is kind of mind-blowing really when you think about it like why why are we are we only having sex to please our partner if we're not actually orgasming like or maybe I don't know maybe I don't know for me I, I like an orgasm but maybe for some people that's not mandatory I don't know anyway what do you think what what should women be looking at orgasming and does that just come with practice or or what kind of things can we do to start doing that yeah so the orgasm gap is a real thing and part of it too is because of biological so um so for me to be just like a little bit more inclusive when I talk about these um I'm gonna say penis owner and vulva owner and so basically penis owners take about four to six minutes to reach climax Whereas vulva owners will take 15 to 40 minutes. And so that is a huge reason why. Yeah, that's a pretty big gap. Yeah, that's a pretty big gap. So that's, that's like, so biologically, that's a huge component as to why, you know, that's an issue. And then also too, like only 18.4% of vulva owners can orgasm vaginally. And those who can, it's typically because their clitoris is closer to their vagina. So inter okay. the internal clitoral tissue can be stimulated through penetrative sex. But that's still like almost 80% of vulva owners that need clitoral stimulation. And the clitoris is there strictly for pleasure. So do not be afraid to touch it, learn about it, and mm -hmm. um, how it can lead to orgasm. And then, then like a lot of times too, women don't know that they're having an orgasm because of how we see it in media. Like, it's just, it's like scream down the wall situation, but women mm -hmm. actually orgasm in different phases and there's different levels to each phase. And so sometimes as a vulva owner, you could be having an orgasm and just not know it because it's not like what you see on television or in adult porn. And so that's why a lot of times in the sexual wellness community, our thing is to educate on focusing on pleasure and what actually feels good and that experience versus on what you think or perceive chasing an orgasm should be. Because our mind is our biggest sex organ. So if you're focused more on, okay, I need that like scream the walls down situation, that's not going to allow you to be able to stay in the moment and feel the pleasure that's happening with the stimulation. And then also to masturbation, I'm a huge proponent like fan everyone should mm -hmm. masturbate it's a major way to connect with your body and it helps you better understand your body improves your body image and knows how to pleasure yourself and that'll also help people reach orgasm and then 1000 percent agree that if you are in tune with your body and not afraid to communicate with your partner about it or your play partners mm -hmm. then you will have a enjoyable and pleasurable experience like mm. and i 
I think there was some touching on the sexual communication part a little bit in this book. Maybe not, maybe not like a ton of it. I, I felt like there was a lot of discussion because this book went into polyamory. Yes, it did. Um, and so there was a lot of discussion, especially in those sections around communication. But so how do you recommend that people communicate with their partner? Like, should this be something done in the bedroom, outside of the bedroom? So outside of the bedroom. And one of my favorite people who breaks it down is Dr. Emily Morse. She's sex with Emily. Um, she's a, she's a, a sex therapist and she has a huge podcast and she gives the three T's for communication. It's tone, timing, and turf. And outside of the bedroom, it's typically, she says for people who are like super shy about it, she says the best way, she used to be one of the people that were super super shy about it she says going on a walk with her partner helps her be able to talk about it more because she's not face to face with them it's usually a calming situation when you're walking and you can just have a conversation about it so that that's where the turf part comes in so you typically do it like somewhere where a person doesn't feel like it's going to be like this blow up or they're going to have like you know like trauma from like if my partner tells me i'm bad in bed every time i get in the bed that's what i'm going to be able to think about and then tone like don't attack someone right like uh she talks about the compliment sandwich like I like to tell people like you should always debrief after sex so like you know be like your partner hey you did x y and z great but next time you know maybe do that a little bit longer or hey like you know do this instead like you know make it seem like more of like a flirty or sometimes I even tell people like if you're in the moment like throw it into dirty talk like be like hey like stroke me there do that or like you like, yes, daddy, you're hitting the spot. Like, you know, something like that. So you can make sure you're getting pleasure without making that person feel like they're just mm-hmm. horrible because that could be a huge ego thing for a lot of penis owners. <laughs> right. And then right. Um, timing, right? <laughs> like, don't just, if, you know, people are hungry or you're in the midst of an argument, like, don't throw out like, hey, on Tuesday night, you were like the worst things I had because I explained to you. Like, those aren't, so yeah. So make sure it's like, good timing and a place outside the bedroom where you feel comfortable it's a chill environment and make sure you're not attacking the person and then I'm a huge proponent of doing every so many months whether you have a um if you have a long-term partner every so many months do a what will want list so what you want to explore like fantasies and desires you have what you will do and what you love to do and what you absolutely don't like to do and don't want to do. And I like to do it as like a date activity. So I'll tell people like with my partner, what I've done is I'll be like, Hey, before our next date, here's a list, like fill out, you know, stuff like that. And then we'll go have dinner, talk about different stuff. And then like, if there's some desires, like we'll come back and like try to explore those, however that may be. So I like to toss that in there as well. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then if that's kind of a cool idea. And then if your partner won't talk about sex with you, they yeah. yuck your yum or they're just not respectful, then just run. Like, it, like <laughs> that is not a person you should be with. If they don't want to have, like, people be like, oh, no, I don't want to. I've actually had partners who are like, I don't want to, like, talk about sex. And I'm, they're like, that's personal. And I'm like, you being in my body is personal. So if you don't want to talk about it, then you right. don't deserve the right to be gifted with right. my body. So, yeah, so run if that happens. Do you think that that's... um? Like, do you think that that's common? Like, do you think that there's that type of an attitude out there around having these types of discussions? I mean, sometimes they can be awkward yes. for sure. I mean, you're talking about a very flirty kind of fun conversation, yes. but like my first time doing that would probably be very, very awkward. Um, but I can't see anyone that I've been in with in the past being like, no, I'm not going to talk about that. Like, no. I, I've only had two and that was when I was young. So like, uh new adult age like between 18 and 21 mm-hmm. but like when I was with older guys or like now like I mean I can't see someone yeah. like 30 being like you like I'm not talking about that that's personal like it'll be uncomfortable right. sometimes especially when it's first kicking off it can be but yeah. usually most people are open to it especially when it comes to what you want in the bedroom because majority of the time nine times out of ten your partner wants to please you and if your partner doesn't then once again run but <laughs> most of the time men red flag, yeah, red, yeah, flag. red flag just swinging in the air <laughs> but most of the time people want to please you just like you know yeah. so just that open communication is great and they're gonna like I even had like an ex tell me that I would tell him that we we would have to talk about sex before we had sex and then we would debrief mm-hmm. later the next day. And he said he, mm-hmm. for the women who would allow him to do that, he said their sex got like 10 times better. So 
can it's just talk talk about it can really change your sex life so many things can be resolved with talking hey yeah <laughs> Uh, one of the other things that come up in this book quite a bit, especially in the back half, there was a lot of people's stories where people were dealing with chronic illness. Mm -hmm. I I mean, just so many different ones came up fibromyalgia, lipedema, um, just so much. What do you think people who are, uh, living with some type of a chronic illness, or even really when it comes down to it, like I'm in a larger body. So there might be some things I might have to adjust in yes. sex. Mm-hmm. How, how do you recommend that people talk about these things or yeah. How, how do they make adjustments? Yes. And I, I love that you asked that question because that is a marginalized community that's often left out of conversations about sex. And even when I try to research like actual resources to give mm-hmm. about it, we live in an ableism society. So there was very limited information and like, some of the stuff I was kind of like, I'm not quite sure about suggesting. So, but my first suggestion is to think about sex beyond intercourse and penetrative sex. If you are dealing with a chronic illness or disability, there's many ways to engage in sexual intimacy and seek pleasure mm-hmm. without having penetrative sex. So you can focus on oral, mutual, master- mutual masturbation. And then there's, we have over 35 erogenous zones in our body nipples neck inner thighs lower back ears to name a few and you can stimulate those and then i'm a huge advocate of bringing sex toys into the bedroom so if your partner is having issues with a disability that causes sexual dysfunction where their genitalia isn't like 100 percent, then you can use vibrators dildos or flashlights and then knowing what sex positions are best for you to feel comfortable enjoy sexual activity can allow you to have fulfilling sex life like I have and also to your point on my blog um I have a whole article about best positions for curvy chicks because I know that can definitely be a thing too and then also too once again don't chase orgasm seek pleasure and intimacy which is your mind is your biggest sex organ so um that plays a major role like there's actually been a study done where there are women who had several uh, a severed spinal cord and they didn't think they were going to be able to have orgasms because once men are paralyzed they can't function but women because our clitoris is Mm -hmm. only for pleasure and we have an ability when we let our mind go there are women who are still able to have orgasms even though they're actual vagina had lost nerves and sensation due to the spinal cord wow so yeah and so one of my favorite things is the five years of touch is a way to show intimacy and feel close to a partner and you can do that by breaking them down and do like date nights so like the first one is affectionate touching which is kissing hugging and holding hands so you can have a date and spend the whole time exploring each other that way then there's sensual touching which watch a movie together, do cuddling, like do foot rubs. And then you can do a playful touch date, which can be like, learn how to salsa dance together, do some type of sensual dancing or do full body massages with each other. And then like, you can even do like a strip tease where you like do genital rubbing without actually penetrating the body. And that can cause arousal and people get off and erotic touch, listen to a sexy playlist and our audio erotica and get in the mood to participate in oral sex and mutual masturbation or just, filling each other's erogenous zones and five once again you can do sex toys to help with that or knowing what positions to use to have comfortable sex and do penetrative sex with genitalia wow wow well i'm definitely putting a link below in the show notes so if any listeners want that article that you're talking about there'll be a link below in the show notes just scroll down and click because that's amazing Yes. And it's, sorry, it's also important to like, I have a family member who is a bigger girl who has dealt with cancer. And so she told me at one point, one of the biggest things for her was her partner affirming to her that, you you know, she's sick and her body has gone through multiple different changes because of her illness, that she's still attractive, beautiful, and they find her sexually stimulating. Like, so just affirming that, that can be a huge thing too. It's so hard to... I know when I was, um, so I, I dealt with an eating disorder and, yeah. uh, when I kind of came out of that, I guess I started to, so I had body dysmorphia through mm-hmm. most of my eating disorder yeah. 
And so my, my weight would go up and down and I fluctuated a lot in terms of, of my body weight. And when my partner met me, uh, I was, I don't know, kind of middle of my range. Mm -hmm. I lost a whole whack load while I was with him, had the eating disorder and then started to gain. But the entire time in my mind, I looked differently than I actually did on the outside. Mm -hmm. So I was always quite aware. I didn't want the lights on. I didn't really Mm -hmm. want him to touch me. I always thought I was disgusting, I guess, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so just having, when he would, no matter what my weight was, Mm -hmm. affirm how much he liked my body, that meant a lot. Like that was a very, very big deal. So when someone is going through, like, I guess I, I'm just affirming what you're saying. Like if, if somebody's going through yeah. something really massively big, that's yeah. really, really affecting their mental health. Just having that validation is really important. And, yeah. and I guess communicating that you need that validation is probably, it might be awkward, but it's really important. Yeah. It'll really help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like who, who doesn't like hearing that they look good and stuff like that? Yes. And it's, it's, it's extremely important. And like you said, thank you for sharing your story as well. It's extremely important to hear that from other people as well, especially when you are struggling, because it can be really hard because your appearance plays a huge role in your self-esteem and self-worth. So yeah. hearing that other people think that you're attractive does help. So, yeah. 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 So, uh, I kind of skipped over the question about the internet. There was a lot of discussion in this book about the internet. Like you said, I would be curious to know what date this was published to. I know I could look it up and I, and I probably will when we're done, but it felt like it was a little behind the times in some yeah. ways with some of the stuff in terms of the internet, because it was like, okay, so she's, she, she was talking about dating sites, but they didn't sound quite the same. Like there definitely yeah. wasn't Tinder. <laughs> yeah. Right. Are plenty of fish or bumble or anything. No, no. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on the internet as a, as maybe a tool um, or maybe not so great in terms of finding a partner, in terms of staying sexy with your partner? Like what kind of, what are your thoughts on it? So I have two thoughts on it. I know many people who have met their partners and gotten married through dating sites and dating apps. So that is definitely a huge avenue that people are using a lot now. And also, too, it, like, widens your net of people. So I think that's a good tool. And then also, too, for a lot of people, and I even know myself, like, if you get on a dating app, it can be affirming within itself that you're attractive, right? And so my things for a lot of women is show up as your most authentic self and don't be afraid and hide from social situations, especially because of your size. Because I know even for my own personal stuff, I used to hide from social settings because I hated my size. And then love yourself and be confident and comfortable and unwavering in your beauty and understand that who is meant to be for you will recognize you're a damn goddess. Like that is so important. And They'll be accepting, respectful, trustworthy, and want to please you and give you a secure relationship. And I feel like that was a component a lot of the women in the book were missing. And then also, I've already kind of touched on this, but don't settle for less than what you're worth. And you set your self-worth, and it doesn't matter whether you're a size 2 or 22. Like, once again, you're you're a goddamn goddess. Like, don't let anyone make you feel any different. And I'm a huge proponent, once again, of like, you teach people how to treat you. So you don't have, you don't have to just take anyone. Like your size does not mean that you have to settle for some sleeves bag or whatever someone is willing to treat you. Like if they want to take you out in public, even though you're a goddamn queen, then they're not for you. And they need to recognize that. And also, too, if you show up for yourself, then other people will follow suit. Yeah. And my last thing, too, is just because the internet, there's a lot of creeps out there. I mean, so consent and safety are key. So always tell someone where you're going. Uh, one of my friends, she always shares her geolocation with me. Um, so you can do that now, which is a great thing. And so you trust, show up with a trusted friend and family member. And you never have to do anything with someone that you don't want to do no is no and then always meet a person for the first time in a public space so just show up on a date dating side and if it's meant to be that person will be and don't settle for someone you don't want like it's not it's not worth it i am uh i don't know what i'm i don't know what i'm thinking but i am thinking of getting back out onto the dating scene i've been single now for two 
well, more, more than that years. And I'm sort of like, ah, I'm just not sure. And I keep going back and forth. Do I do it? Do I not do it? Do I do it? I'm going to do it. No, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's Bumble where it puts it in the woman's hands. Oh, yeah. I think it's, it's either Coffee Meets Bagel or Bumble where women contact the man first and the man doesn't contact them. So that can make it easier for a lot of women yeah. too. Yeah. And then also, uh, uh, something she touched on in the book was a lot of people are afraid of rejection. You could be freaking Beyonce and someone may reject you. <laughs> like rejection is, it, regardless of your size, regardless of how attractive people think you are, everyone will experience rejection in some form. So don't let that hurt your self-worth. I always think of it as, take it as it just wasn't the opportunity meant for you or that person wasn't meant for you. And who doesn't want to be with someone who accepts them and wants them? Like, so <laughs> rejection yeah. is not necessarily a bad thing. Like it right. can sometimes be, you know, a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I'm just scared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there's some <laughs> interesting people out there. So I don't want There anymore. is, there is. And uh, you know, I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, there's just so much, right. There's just, yeah. there's just so much to unpack with. And I mean, that's was the beautiful thing about this book. I think is that we had all these people, the, the, the theme was that we were going to talk about their sex lives, Yeah. but we got so much more of the context. And I yes. think that that was kind of a, it was unexpected. That wasn't what I was expecting when I, wasn't I either. picked this book, but um, it, it was kind of interesting to, to kind of go all those different places. Yeah. Exactly. I agree. So let's say you have a friend who liked this book, thought it was really good, uh, is looking for the next thing to read. What do you think that you would recommend for them to read? Your Body is Not an Apology by Sonya Renee Taylor. And then Pussy a, Recl a Reclamation by Regina mm, Thomas-Shower. Okay. Yep. And Girl Boner by August McClellan. And Come As You Are by Emily Nagowski. Oh, I haven't heard of the last two. Yes. Because I feel like it's important they touch on, you know, just in, enjoying sex as a female, regardless of how people tell you you should feel about it. Oh, I love that. I love exactly. that. Well, I always put all the book recommendations in the show notes too. So if anybody's listening, the, the book recommendations will be down there as well. Um, and I can't wait to look those ones up myself. <laughs> I really, I, I want to thank you so much, Lala, for coming on the show and giving like so much wisdom, like my God, uh, I wasn't quite sure how this was going to go because I know, like I told you, I was not, this is an uncomfortable topic for me mm -hmm. and you just made it so easy to talk about. So I want to just thank you that. for everything. Thank you so much for coming on to Fat Girl Book Club. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. I love it. And I'm a big girl and I just want other big girls to know, like, feel sexy, be sexy and enjoy yourself. Take number 20 on this outro. <laughs> I just, I don't know really what to say. I... I want to express my deepest gratitude to you for listening to this podcast. If you have ever done anything to, to move this podcast forward, whether that was tell somebody about it, uh, like something on my Instagram, write a review, uh, forward it to a friend, uh, anything to promote this podcast, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you've ever been a guest on my podcast, your experiences have made a difference. They've made a difference to the people listening and they've really made a difference for me. Thank you. If you were a Patreon supporter, I don't know how to express my gratitude for that because I, it just, it meant so much to me to not only know that you were listening to what was being said, but you felt like, like it was worthy of, that was worthy of more. Thank you. The plan is guys to be back in the new year. It probably won't be right away. I can't imagine that it'll be January 1st or anything. So expect to see something around February. Please continue to subscribe. I promise I won't bug you. 
just more so that when it does push through, you are already connected. Uh, and again, please connect with me on Instagram. If you have any feedback about the podcast at all, my email address will be in the show notes. I would love to hear from you. Keep reading, everyone. Everyone.